Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Good Morning Football. Presented, get in here. We are presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky live in New York City, Tuesday, November 7th. Jamie Erdahl, Kyle Brandt on this side of the room. Uh, Peter Schrager and Could you imagine Gerald McCoy and Peter Schrager in the club together? Yeah. Hey, listen, I didn't grow this hair for no reason. What is love? That's it. This is a bop, isn't it, Peter? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Gerald, you seem just fine on that side of the room with Peter. Is that your guy? Yeah, it's just, hey, listen, we, I remember, that was a funny story. Go on. Uh, if I can remember the quote correct, overpaid softies. Go on. That's um, what he. The Tampa D line. The Tampa D line. Like 2017. Wasn't referring to you, yeah. to some and, of the And I came on the show. I came on the show. And I was all all in fun. I was like, I'm going to come on the show with an attitude. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't it, think it was so funny when it he came on the show. With it didn't bother me. I knew it was a joke the whole time. I'm like, hey, so let's before forget all the questions. Let's talk about what you said about right. our group. That's right. And he was like, well, I wasn't. I was like, oh, I'm joking. Man. Wow. <laughs> Back down pretty quick. Cam Hayward did the same thing last year when I was like, I think Buffalo's going to handle Pittsburgh. Cam Hayward's like. Very serious, and I was like, eh. uh-huh. and Buffalo beat Pittsburgh. I caught him uh-huh. the next day. I was like, I sort of was right. Yeah. No, and in many cases, I'm like, you're right both times. We yeah. were going through it that year, so I, I understood. Feel bad. Yes. Overpaid yeah. softies. Wow, that's a yes. good one. It's, it's, it's a hot take time. It's yes, it's, it's a hot take time. Uh, let's go there, shall we? Time for the lead block. Lead block. Twenty-seven to six in a miserable night. Really great atmosphere that they've had at MetLife Stadium. It just was disappointing. Why don't we hear from Salah and Staley after the Chargers won by three touchdowns? first whistle to the last one I thought we competed thought you did the we did the things that good defenses do you know I thought we were physical tonight um you know we did a really good job against the run run game I thought we rushed the passer um we limited the explosions in the deep part of the field and we were really good in the red zone so um it was a team win it was a uh 
a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Uh, felt like any time we got momentum going, we just shot ourselves in the foot uh, with penalties, turnovers, and uh, um, just wasn't good enough. One of those bizarre games that just every time we had momentum, uh, like I said, just a self-inflicted wound. Uh, wound. Uh, was it his best game? Obviously not. Was it his worst game? No. I'm not going to say it was even close to his worst game, but uh, uh, I think the entire offense, obviously we all could have been better. All right, so very interesting matchup last night considering how the AFC playoff picture is shaking out because the Jets had a huge opportunity after all three teams in the AFC East lost on Sunday, but they could not capitalize. Chargers and Jets, they both fall down here in our lurking category at 4-4. Four and four. Yep. The wild card spots are filled here with all three teams coming from the AFC North. And then uh, a top race here at the tight with teams that – the big four, I think is what you called them earlier this week. Uh, four division leaders, everyone's playing well. Uh, the Jaguars coming off a bye and the Dolphins coming off and the Chiefs coming off their trip to Germany. But so. I have Cincinnati in the big four. Not okay. based on record, but just how they're playing right now. Yeah. And Miami out. But okay. Miami has the record, though. Yep. Uh, so it doesn't look exactly how we thought it would at this point, at the midpoint this season. Peter, what pops out to you when you're looking at how this has fallen together? Look at these teams. One of these teams has won four straight games, and one of these teams has outscored uh, their last two opponents in their building, 75-9, to nine, and both those teams are being highly, highly promoted by us here on the show. Baltimore Ravens are just kicking butt right mm-hmm. now. And I look at them at 7-2, and two, and you've got the Chiefs above them, and they're kind of a you know, tiebreaker-type deal. And look what the Ravens have up ahead, because I think they're only getting better as the season goes on. Teams are going up and down. But look at this. Look at these matchups here. You've got Browns. You've got Bengals. Then you've got the Chargers, and then you get a nice bye after that. If they can find a way to beat these three teams, two division opponents who both will be playoff teams right now, a surging Chargers team, and then get to the bye, oh my gosh, then the Ravens could be sitting really pretty as we head to the final stretch of the season. It really is a brutal schedule for them, though. Post-bye, obviously we've got a Rams game. Okay, could beat the Rams. I look at these teams here. Jags, Niners, Dolphins, Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Ravens are going to have to, like, win. And they're going to have to win these games, and they're going to have to win after the bye. And I think they're getting better. I think they're up for it. Gerald, you're a defensive player. You look at Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. As good as he's been at MVP seasons, I feel like he's playing better football now than he has at any point in his career because now we're integrating a real passing offense. He seems more patient, and he's getting better as the weeks go by. Great running game with a bunch of players that you might not know in Edwards and Justice Hill and now this young man, Mitchell. I I feel like the Ravens are rolling right now and we're not even talking about them and they might be the real power of this conference. Yeah, Lamar was the reason he's playing as good as he's ever played is because he's not one read and run. He's not so dependent on his legs. He's developing into what the Ravens seen when they drafted him. When everybody, you know, some GM said he should be a wide receiver or a running back, he said, no, he's a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he won MVP in his second season. And what he's doing now is, yes, I have some weapons to throw to, but he's letting the game come to him. And whatever happens, happens. That's why he's making jokes about fantasy owners. Like, hey, listen, I apologize. I know y'all drafted me to get all these numbers, but listen, I'm trying to win. Mm -hmm. And he's leading the right way. But I have to talk about somebody else. I want to talk about Cincinnati. Go on for it. The reason I want to talk about Cincinnati is because at the beginning of the year, I think people forget that Joe Burrow was hurt. Yeah. I've pulled my calf multiple times. It's hard to do anything with confidence when your calf is pulled. And what Joe Burrow does so great, he's very elusive in the pocket and he can make plays with his legs. 
But when you don't have any confidence in your legs and your movement, you struggle a little bit. But more so importantly about Cincinnati is they always play up. Yeah. A lot of they always struggle at the beginning of the year. And what have they got in the last two years? Super Bowl appearance, another AFC championship appearance. They are surging. They're winning. He's playing with a lot of confidence and he's back to being Joe Burrow. I agree with you, Kyle, that they are in the big four. If in my rankings, I have them in the big four, and that's the team that nobody wants to play right now. I because I always believe this. You never know who a team really is until midseason. Let's go. Then you start to find out who people are. And what happens moving forward, I believe that Cincinnati is going to be a problem for a lot of people. I hear that. If I was to just ad-lib a power ranking right now in the NFL, I have Philadelphia, I have Baltimore, and I have Cincinnati as the three best teams right now in the NFL. Never mind the record, just how they're playing right mm -hmm. then. I'll tell you who would not be in it. I'm going to go over here. This is very strange times for the Buffalo Bills. Five and four. They aren't ever in this category. Not in the last few years in the McDermott and Allen administration. They've lost three out of five games. And what you're waiting for with Buffalo is they, they will often have a weird loss or maybe even a weird couple losses. There's a self-correct factor that certainly Allen has and that McDermott's teams have that we're just waiting on. And we're waiting and it's not happening. Five and four is uncharted waters for this team. They don't get the five and four. I cannot believe we're sitting down there and they're a game over the Texans, the Chargers, the Jets. If you want to get into the football of it, they've had a lot of injuries on defense. They lost Terrell Bernard, who's kind of big, playing a bigger role for, for Milano, and now we don't know if he's going to play next week. They don't run the ball at all. Josh Allen doesn't run much. Ken Dorsey is now getting the Matt Canada treatment. Like, it's, it's dangerous, tough times in Western New York. Look at the schedule. They're on Monday Night Football at home against Denver. That is one of those games where the atmosphere is going to be nervous, it's going to be tense, and oh my God, if we lose to Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, we're going to be a 500 team. If I was to power rank everybody now, the Bills are not in the top 10, they're not in the top 12. They're not, based on how they're playing for the past month, they're like 15 or something like that. And this is a team we talk about sometimes as one or two. It's very tough time. Now, listen, it's fine. They can just got to start winning because that buy, as I keep saying, is weeks away, and they feel like they're exhausted. I feel like they showed more pep and more uh, alacrity during the end of last season when they were dealing with all these off-the-field adversity than they show now when they don't have all of that. It's been really tough times. I mean, it's, I, I hope it's rock bottom because 5-4 and four is tough for a team that talented. You hit on something. The crowd being a little nervous. I feel that from Bills fans. It's of course. Like we're letting it, it slip away. It's not that jump through the table mm -hmm. Bills fan base that we've seen from years prior. It's, wait, do we have something? It, did it? Did it just slip out of our hands? Mm -hmm. and can we get it back? Mm -hmm. You know, I look at this AFC, and the North and the East take up the most real estate. They have four and three teams on this screen, respect, respectively. The West and the South only have two. I go to the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off a bye as well. Uh, they're playing the 49ers this week. You can't look at two teams that have a more opposite experience going into yeah. their bye week. The Jacksonville Jaguars had a hell of a month of October. I think they had five wins, one of those wonky. They played a Thursday game. They played two in London. They won both of those games and then they come back did not opt to take their bye just like the Bills at that point and they still come back and, be, and beat their team uh, beat a team at home which was remarkable it was a great month for the Jags can they keep that going coming off a bye sometimes the bye can interrupt a certain mojo that a team yeah, you has don't want the bye. <laughs> Travis Etienne has been running the ball great uh, Trevor Lawrence did a lot of that offensively without Zay Jones uh, um, and Christian Kirk has played awesome we look at the next four for the Jags. I actually look at a three-game stretch that they have in December where they have to play the Bengals, the Browns, mm -hmm. and the Ravens. Mm -hmm. That's their test. Back to back. Mm -hmm. That's their mm -hmm. test. Exactly. Um, that's a great AFC playoff picture. That's great. We love that. Uh, interesting compared to mm -hmm. power ranking, if you will. Uh, Tom Pelissero, what's happening? Injuries that we're watching for as they unfold this morning. 
Well, Jimmy, Giants quarterback Daniel Jones officially is out for the season because of a torn ACL that was confirmed with an MRI on Monday. Just brutal news for the Giants and Jones, who missed the previous three games with a neck injury, came back, his knee buckled in the early going against the Raiders, tried to come back into the game, obviously not stable. His season is now over. So for the Giants, who at this point are buried in the NFC playoff picture, they need to move forward. they got a couple of options at the position. Could be undrafted rookie Tommy DeVito, who took over for Jones in that game against Las Vegas, or potentially could be veteran Matt Barkley, who knows Brian Dable's scheme going back to their days together in Buffalo, but hasn't started a game in five years. Feels like Kyler Murray hasn't started in that long, but it's been about 11 months since he tore his ACL. Jonathan Gannon said on Monday, Kyler will return to the lineup and start this week against the Falcons as long as everything goes well this week in practice. My understanding has been Kyler, from a physical standpoint, has been ready for a couple of weeks now. He looks great in practice, but didn't have a training camp, new system, new regime there. They wanted him to sort of simulate training camp by getting a lot of work in practice before they feel comfortable putting him onto the field. Split reps last week with rookie Clayton Toon, who got his first NFL start in that blowout loss to Cleveland. Now it is Kyler's show, and this new regime gets an opportunity to see exactly what he can do. Meanwhile, in Cincinnati, wide receiver Jamar Chase expressed pessimism about his status for this week's game against the Texans after he suffered a back injury on Sunday. Now, Chase returned to that game. He was doing various things to keep it warm on the sideline. My understanding is there's no type of structural issue here with Jamar Chase, but he is really, really sore. Zach Taylor says he's day-to-day. Welcome back to Good Morning Football. On the break, we're listening to Michael Jackson. It don't matter if you're black or white, right? It doesn't matter. Like you and me, Gerald. Let's do it. We got a six-time Pro Bowl defensive tackle, Gerald McCoy, with us this week. Six times. You went to six Pro Bowls? I went to six. Like Jordan with six, six rings. Could have been seven. I went to six. Who got the spot instead of you? I don't remember. Yes, you do. Look it up. I'm not Look one of those memories. What year guys. was it? We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, there's so much talk about the, the premier pass rushers, the big stars we see all the time up on the marquee. Right, right. You like the guys who don't get all the attention when playing good ball. Who do you got in your list of underappreciated pass rushers? Well, let me tell you first real quick why I did underappreciate it. Okay. It's because, one, I played in an era in Tampa where we were struggling a lot. Sure. Okay, we didn't have a lot of national TV games. So you mentioned I made six Pro Bowls. It took a lot to get noticed in a market where people were you're not on TV. We were blacked out at home in Tampa. Oh, if you wasn't at the game, you couldn't watch it locally. Stuff. Yeah. Stuff. So we didn't have a lot of get a lot of attention. So if you're making noise in like, you know, market like that, yeah. then so I understand the underappreciated. So these I, I wanted guys. to do the underappreciated. God's work. We know the TJ Watts and the Max Crosby's and the Michael Park. Yeah. yeah, we know those guys. Yeah, they're great. So who don't we know? At number five, I go. have to show him a defensive tackle. Sure. I have to show some love to a defensive tackle. At number five, we go have on. Justin Matabuke. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Get into it. Here we not go. only is his name Matabuke, he's playing mad. <laughs> Listen, he right now, he has seven and a half sacks, 14 QB hits this season. They both lead the Ravens. Four straight games with a sack. This guy is getting after it. He's a huge part of why this defense is playing so great and why a lot of people have the Ravens as the best team in the league. Listen. This guy is getting better. Contract year is coming up. I think he wants to make a little money. So I want to show a little love 
to Justin, man, because he is balling this year. I have to show a little love to the Matibuke. defensive tackle, right? I feel like you ask fans of Ravens pass rushers, they still say T-Sizzle. How about Matabuke? Yeah, Matabuke is balling. Who's number Absolutely. four? Number four. This is a guy that we've seen on TV. Now, I just mentioned the big names in the T.J. Watts. How about the guy opposite of him oh, and Alex Highsmith? Listen. 49 QB pressures this season. That's third in the NFL. All these phenomenal rushers. He's third in the NFL in pressures. Four and a half sacks this season. He had two sacks week nine. 14 and a half sacks last year when TJ was injured. This guy can ball. He gets after the quarterback. And you can argue this is a top three tandem pass rush group in the league. Alex Highsmith. Wanted to give you a little love. He's my number four underappreciated. He's been amazing this year. How yeah, he's balling. You got three in front of Highsmith? Who you yeah, got in front? I got three. So at number three, I have a first-round pick. Down in Jacksonville, I got Josh Allen. He's got two, two games this year with three sacks. He is a big reason why this team is a top three team in the AFC. We're going to get into that later. But he's, he's balling. I think he doesn't get a lot of credit for what he does with pressuring the quarterback and getting after the quarterback. You know, we talk so much about the Josh Allen in Buffalo. Can we get a little love? That's true. For the Josh Allen and Jacksonville. A great point. Every time he comes up, everyone makes a dumb joke about it. He has the same name as the Bills quarterback. He's playing better than the Bills quarterback. They're <laughs> playing better than the Bills. How hard? He got two three-sack games. How hard is it to get a three-sack game? It's, well, listen, once you get one early, yeah, that's early. when you know, listen, you're humming at that point. <laughs> Some people say, I got me one early, I can chill. When I got me one early, I'm like, oh, it's a big day. Let's uh -huh, go. Uh -huh. Yeah, so... And a lot of in the third sack in both of those games were big plays to like close the game out. So it's like when yeah. someone birdie is number one, they're like, I'm gonna break 90 today. No, like break 80. Like go yeah, for it. Get yeah. the third Why sack. not? Who's Why number not? two, Jeremy? Number two, I'm gonna go with a guy in Cincinnati that I played against when he was in New Orleans, Trey Hendrickson. Listen, awesome. when he was in New Orleans, we would be on the other sideline saying, Hey, listen, who is that guy that's not Cam Jordan? He <laughs> is. Right? Killing us right now. Awesome. So when he got this big contract in Cincinnati, we said, oh, yeah, he deserves it. What has he done since being there? 43 and a half sacks over the last four seasons. He's got eight this year. He led the Bengals in sacks all of his seasons since being there. And he's a two-time Pro Bowler. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't get any love. Nobody talks about Trey Hendrickson. I don't know why. And he is consistent, consistent, consistent. This guy can get after the quarterback, and he doesn't get enough love. Made big plays in huge playoff games. What, let's go inside football here. What, do you, what is your take on the fact that he doesn't wear gloves at the position? <laughs> well, I didn't wear gloves. Look at you. Why yeah, not? What I didn't wear do? gloves because I like to feel my victims in my hands. Oh! <laughs> I don't need that? gloves. I want you to know who did it. I want you to... Yes. <laughs> Joe's going to suit back up. That was yeah, awesome. absolutely. And yet, somebody is, is still in the number one spot. A little yeah. drama here. Who's your number one most underappreciated pass rusher? So, I have two guys at number right. one. Good. It's okay. going to sound crazy. Well, how can you have two at, at one? Because they're on the same team. I got Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat. Get into it. I think these two are the best tandem at rushing the passer in the NFL right now. Mm. Let's just go over a few numbers. Let's start with Hassan Reddick. 54 and a half career sacks, seven and a half sacks since week four this season. At least one sack in five of the last six games. 10 plus sacks in three straight seasons. But listen to this. He's done it with three different teams. Mm -hmm. You know how hard that is? There's three different systems, three different groups of D-linemen you playing with, and you're being consistent. But nobody talks about it. Mm -hmm. This guy is a measure of consistency. Let's talk about Josh Sweat. Go on. Leads Eagles and sacks over the last five seasons with 35. 50 QB pressures this season. That's tied for first with Micah Parsons. Mm -hmm. Of all people, he's mm -hmm. tied with Micah Parsons. 
In 2022, set a career high with 11 sacks and 23 QB hits. He's got six and a half sacks this season, 16 QB hits. All right, let's get and, to the headline. You yes. saw the best pass rushing tandem in the league. You already mentioned the Steelers, guys. Mm -hmm. We saw the Chargers last night. You're going to stand by it. The Eagles have the best duo in all of football. Pass I'm going to say they have the best pass rush tandem in Here all we go. Of football. Tweet it out. Simply because of the guys in the middle that are helping. But when these two guys are humming on the edge, look out. My man. Guys, oh, man. reaction. Gerald just emptied the bag. I think I think Highsmith is a fascinating one because he did get a contract. And you're almost like, I wish he waited one more year to sign that contract mm -hmm. because he mm -hmm. got a payday. But I think if he hit free agency now, it could double what he made in the last Hold round. out. It's so rare when the guy gets the contract and then gets better after signing that deal. The Josh Allen experience in Jacksonville has been a remarkable one defensively. He was one of these guys in a production meeting. I went in, I shook his hand, got to know him, and I'm like, this person could not be more opposite of a human than who I see play on the field. Very similar to if you meet Indomitian Sue for the first time. You're like, wait a second, this is very alarming. Josh Allen, remarkable talent and just aggressive talent on the field. And a guy who gets a lot of love in San Fran, obviously he's the defensive player of the year in Nick Bosa. I want you to go look at Josh Allen's rookie year okay. in Jacksonville and go look at Nick Bosa's rookie year and then compare the love that they got. Just do that. Just oh, do me that oh, favor. Okay. And then we'll talk later. Gerald so thorough. He even mentions Danico Autry and Brian Burns and the honorable mentions. You are doing God's work. Does it feel good? You like these guys? I love these guys, especially Brian Burns. He's a superhero guy. He is Spider-Man. B, you know I love you. But our Batman likes to feel the grass in his fingertips and the victims in his Oh, I love to feel hands. the victims in my oh, hands. That's terrifying. Every week we do the fabulous five. We give you the top five rookie performance of the previous weekend. This is a good list. You know, it's not just going to be who was drafted first, second, third. We go deep. And we start with a guy who waited to hear his name until day two. And although he lost, I think he showed a lot of people what he's about. All right. Will Levis makes the list. Number five. Ooh. Thursday night game got the snot beaten out of him. <laughs> Green and brown jersey. And yet Will Levis had his team playing on a short week on the road in Pittsburgh despite injuries across the board to his offensive line. Will Levis was good again. I had to give him love. I know he didn't win the game. I know he had a better debut than any quarterback in the history of the sport. But his second game was pretty good, too. Beat up bad. Respect him in the league. I text with everyone after the game, and it's like, yeah. you know what? Levis lost, but Levis showed us something. Looks like the Titans have a guy. And I thought this performance, though they lost, and though he didn't put up the numbers that he did in week one, was almost as impressive as what he did in his debut. Mm. Will Levis was fired up, played strong, played tough, hung in the pocket, a little reckless at times, but he showed his toughness. He belongs on the list. Number four. We're going to a guy who waited till day three to hear his name called. It's Texans wide receiver Tank Dell. Hell yeah. Tank Dell, day three pick. We know what they got in Stroud. We know what they got in Will Anderson. Day three, they get a wide receiver who might be the perfect number two to Nico Collins out in Houston. Tank Dell, you look at this. Most receiving yards by a Texans receiver in his first seven career games. Andre Johnson, clearly number one. DeAndre Hopkins, number three. Tank Dell is on that That's list? That's awesome. You're talking about Hall of Famer, likely Hall of Famer, and then right here, Tank Dell has had as good a start as those guys, and he's not that far off from Dre, just back there by 40 yards. He has become a go-to guy, and in a big spot, the quarterback could throw to anybody. C.J. Stroud finds his fellow rookie, yeah. a guy he's been working with since rookie minicamp, 
for that game-winning touchdown. Peter, can they bring back the dude you're getting a Dell computer as? Right. You need it. Dell. Back. We need it. Dell, we need <laughs> it back. Guess what? That company, Austin, Texas. It makes too much sense. Hey. Oh, there we go. Number three. Number three is an undrafted player out of Eastern Carolina. We go to we go. Keaton Mitchell Damn right. of the Baltimore Ravens. Rocket number 34. Keaton Mitchell had just nine carries in this game, but he had 138 <laughs> yards in that touchdown. He was a spark plug. Come out of East Carolina, you've got guys like Jeff Blake. They've got a nice history of football. But Keaton Mitchell came out here and he put his name on it. Now, we go back to the combine. I mentioned this story. We're at the combine. And oh, February, cool. Look at this. All these guys are here. This was the dude, number two. And I said on, the, on this show, I said, there's a running back out of Eastern Michigan named Keaton Mitchell who no one's talking about. Eastern Carolina. I heard from, a, when I say a swarm of East Carolina Pirate fans being like, Eastern Michigan? East Carolina is where he did his work. <laughs> this guy is awesome. A lot of school pride down there. We hear a lot from East Carolina fans. Keaton Mitchell. Now, there's a history story here, too, because Ke Keaton Mitchell's not the first Raven to be of the Mitchell. Keaton Mitchell's father played for the Ravens on their Super Bowl 2000 team. And not only did Kyle mention it on the show on Monday, but I said, can we get a call? Can we get a call? So he made a huge play. Here's Dick Enberg on the call in the Great. 2000 AFC Divisional game. Watch Keaton's father, Anthony Mitchell, make a huge play in this ballgame. I mean, you see the faces, you see Ray Lewis, you see Brian Billick, you see O.J. Bragantz, and then you see here Anthony Mitchell, number 42. Kyle, that was a huge game, too. That's a, it's classic Jeff Fisher, Brian Billick. Those two teams I did not like I just picture Eddie George versus Ray Lewis all day in the hole. It was awesome. Anthony Mitchell's a Ravens legend. His son is now a Ravens That's running That's really back. cool. How cool is this? Number two on the list. We go to another day three quarterback. Oh, How about Aiden O'Connell. Let's go. The Raiders. What a turbulent week it was in, in Vegas. We fire the coach, you fire the offensive coordinator, you bench the quarterback, and you hand the ball to a rookie out of Purdue and say, hey, go figure this out. Not only did he figure it out, he was awesome. Aiden O'Connell had a great game. 16 of 24, 209 yards, most importantly, no interceptions, no fumbles lost. Aiden O'Connell played the role, looked the role, and you know what? He's not losing the role. He's gonna be the guy. Here he is, talking to the media about the momentum building after that inspiring win over the Giants in what was a crazy week in Vegas. It's obviously my first experience in the NFL, but it's a hard situation what happened this week. And so I think the guys felt relieved and happy and, you know, just super joyful that we could perform like this. And so, yeah, it was it was definitely rocking in the locker room. It was, it's just great to see all the, the smiles from the coaches, player administration. Um, you know, that's that's really what keeps you going and why you do it at the end of the day. The mustache isn't ironic. It's real. He yep. wears it. His wife loves it. He wears it. It's not a super troopers costume. It's nothing like that. <laughs> it's real. And so is this offense. Look at this. Weeks one through eight. Now you could say, yeah, but that was McDaniels. Let's give the quarterback some credit here. Right. Week nine, Aiden O'Connell comes out there and lights it up against a proud Giants defense under Wink Martindale. But this means nothing compared to what we saw at number one. The number one player in the Fabulous Five had the greatest rookie performance perhaps ever in the history of the sport. On. How's that? How's that for that? And that's not hyperbole. 
470 passing yards and five touchdowns in an NFL game as a rookie. It's never been done. No one's ever thrown for 470. No one's ever thrown five touchdowns. C.J. Stroud then decides the numbers weren't enough. How about a game-winning touchdown drive with back Lord. against the wall, going the length of the field against Gerald McCoy's old Buccaneers. Um, he was incredible. I, I think I feel no problem saying it's one of the greatest performances we've ever seen from a rookie, and it's certainly the greatest performance we've seen from a rookie quarterback in a regular season game. And then there's the veterans on the team. Jalen Petrie's been there a couple yeah. of years. Jalen Petrie, let's hear what you had to say about C.J. Stroud's poise after this win. <laughs> it's just like, it's in them. Like, it ain't, like, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, put that into words. Like, that's that's not even coachable. Like, that's just like, they had said something about he did, like, a veggie meter. Like, where they check how much um, veggies is in your, like, your bloodstream. And they found all ice. <laughs> like, he, he really liked that. Like, for real. He really liked that. No vegetables, straight cold. Like, he cold-blooded, ready for the moment, bro. He, 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 he tough, though. He's Petrie. Petrie's amazing. They have a veggie meter that measures the temperature <laughs> of the vegetables. They put it on him, and it just said straight ice. That's it. Ice cold. Uh, what do you want? I mean, we could do a million different boards for you. Here's what we chose. 470 passing yards, five pass touchdowns, zero interceptions. Anyone. Not just rookie. Anyone. Anyone. That's amazing. Ben did it in a crazy six-touchdown game against the Colts. And then my boy, Y.A. Tittle did it. Y.A. Tittle. Y.A. Tittle did it in a leather helmet. All right? That's it. And then C.J. Stroud, of course. Uh, there's not enough hyperbole for me for C.J. This guy's your rookie of the year to run away. And I think what he did on Sunday was the first time people saw what he could do in the clutch. Uh, there's our list. We're going to go to our resident ex-player here, Gerald McCoy. Your thoughts on the Fab Five? I don't see any defensive Oof. players. On the well, usually when you have guests, you want to make them feel welcome. So uh -huh. you're putting two guys up there that killed my books. It's not uh -huh. making me feel very welcome. But I just, I mean, what C.J. Stroud has been able to do all year, I mean, that game was amazing. Even as a being a former book, I'm watching. Like, you got to give respect. You just got to give him his respect. That game-winning drive, I just sat back like, hey, it is what it is, right. whatever. Welcome back to the show, a three-time Super Bowl champion, an NFL Network front office analyst, and a friend of ours, Mr. Scott Peel. What up, Scott? Good morning, football. What's up, Scott? What's up, Scott? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We've been on a high here over the Joshua Dobbs story. We love him as a man. We love him as a player. And, well, he was traded to the Vikings last week and led Minnesota to an improbable comeback win on the road against hmm. the number six defense in the league in the Falcons. Can you just talk about just the difficulty that that took to get on the field <laughs> without having taken a rep with your teammates and then going out there and playing the way he did? Peter, it was crazy. It was outstanding. It was this confluence and collaboration of a number of different things on a number of different levels. I think that the coaching staff did a great job of communicating with Josh, and Josh clearly did a good job of communicating with them as to what he was ready to do and what he wasn't ready to do. So as you watch this game, sure, he made a couple of mistakes you know, in terms of taking the sack for the safety, but there were more smart plays than bad plays. You know, There's this other part that we're showing right now. What you don't understand sometimes is in-game, the things that have to change, the things that have to be done, he had to go over the cadence, not only with the center, but with the entire offensive line in order to let them know what he's going to sound like and how the ball is going to be, and when the ball is going to be snapped. 
you know, you look at the number of plays that he made with his feet. It wasn't just with his feet. It was done with his head. He held the ball and stayed in the pocket for as long as he could. Then he made the smart decision to run. So, again, to me, this was a combination of smart play and athletic play. So I thought this was a tremendous job by Josh Dobbs to make sure that he knew and the coaches knew what he couldn't do. And over the course of the game, you could absolutely see that his team began to trust him more and more, and they were totally energized. Scott, the trade deadline always brings a season of change, if you will, and that was never more true than in Las Vegas Mm. last week when Raiders owner Mark Davis handed the keys to the team to Antonio Pierce for the rest of the season. And then as story has it, there was a convincing win at hand on Sunday. Now the question becomes, obviously, what does Coach Pierce need to do to get the full-time job and remove that interim word? And JB, this is a great question because, yes, they got the win. What we see very often happen is when there's a changing of the guard in leadership, there's this energy and this emotion that players play with, and they're able to play well. I think what happens is here is, yes, he needs to win. That's the obvious one. But I think with Mark Davis, it's important to see how the culture is going to change. Is it going to be the Raiders culture that he's been looking for? He's also going to be looking at how Antonio can collaborate with the others in the leadership team. Because the other change that we know that happened here was at the general manager position. And we see Champ Bailey has taken over that position. So Mark, I'm sure, is going to be paying attention to the winning, the changing of the culture, making sure that his players are doing things the way they want, but also how is that collaboration going to happen? To me, you know, it's going to be very interesting to watch because Champ Bailey is one of those names that have been talked about as a potential general manager for years. I think the world of Champ, and he's going to have a tremendous opportunity here as well. I'm looking forward to seeing that group working together for sure. Hey, Scott. C.J. Stroud, the number two overall pick, is rolling right now. He's coming off a historic week versus, unfortunately, my Bucks. But he's balling. He might even be breaking the stigma of Ohio State quarterbacks. He might be breaking it. I don't know. He was the number two overall pick. But the number one overall pick, Bryce Young, struggling a little bit. Do you think that the Carolina Panthers might be having a little buyer's remorse? You think the front office might be like rethinking maybe we might have made the wrong decision what do you think Gerald, I don't think so if you have a system in place if you have a process in place and you're starting to worry just over halfway through a player's rookie season then you've got something wrong with your process I don't think the Carolina Panthers are worried about it at all these two guys are rookie quarterbacks let's see what they can do I mean CJ Stroud is having a terrific year Bryce Young hasn't done anything that's that terrible yet. You know, I want to look at it, uh, see if we could show this graphic real quick. I wanted to check this out last night. You know, in the last 20 years, there's been nine quarterbacks selected and that have won Rookie of the Year. You look at this list, there's some interesting names up there for both reasons, right? But only one of those players has actually won a Super Bowl. This goes back to the whole idea and the whole concept of not overreacting, of making sure that you're not impulsive with decisions or second-guessing things too soon. I think Bryce Young is just going to be fine. As we've talked about a number of times, again, player development is circumstantial. Let's see how things go in the long term, not just the short term. Stroud does look nice, though. Stroud does look very nice, and it's exciting to see what he's doing in Houston. Scott, the Bengals 
started one and three. The Vikings started zero mm. and three, and now both are very much alive for different reasons. When you're in the front office and you have this disastrous start where you fall on your face out of the gates, is there an urge to to panic, to make big moves, maybe beat the deadline, do something? How difficult is it to just stand pat and believe in what you have? Kyle, I think when you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow, it's pretty easy to stand pat. I think when you have a defense and a defensive coordinator like the Bengals have, it's easy to not get over-emotional and, again, overreactional. You don't want to do that. So to me, as I was watching this, I had the sense that once Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow got healthy, everything was going to be fine. As we've seen, he makes good players, very good players. He makes above average players, good players. Joe Burrow changes his offense. He changes the team. I don't think you start to panic too much as long as you believe and know that your quarterback is going to get healthy. The other thing I want to talk about again is this defense. You know, When you look at where they're at right now, they have played over the last two weeks or the last three weeks two top five offenses and kept them in check they have a top five defense in terms of allowing points they are keeping teams in check you knew that that was going to happen that's been what they are and who they are so to me i don't think there was any reason to overreact you just trust in your team you trust in the process and you trust and hope that your quarterback's going to be healthy yeah, and they've got more games coming up. Really tough schedule for them, but you know what? They've been playing well, and they just beat Seahawks, Niners, and like you said, the Bills. Mm. Sunday was a performance. Oh, Bengals, Scott. Texans this weekend. It's a good one. Pretty cool Texans, game. Good. Bengals, good. Texans. Yeah. Scott, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there, way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals, and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.